I didn't sleep very well last night, so I just ended up reading a load of different pages on that Powerbase website about Harry's place and the Euston Manifesto and the Henry Jackson Society and Stephen Pollard and all the good oh, stuff. Oh, God, yeah. So it's, it's all right, because you can be as knackered as you want, but you just need to have enough sort of venom from that residual uh, <laughs> reading to, to keep you going for a couple of hours. I'm sure you'll manage with that. Opposing the government and opposing the Conservatives, I'm afraid it's the hard left who want to tighten their control. They want to uh, sideline uh, moderate voices. I don't think anybody should be surprised about that is the nature of the hard left. And of course we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any who dissent. Who are the hard left, Chris? Well, we know who the hard who... left are. In the you know, I, ascendancy I, within, the, within the Labour Party who associate you just said that we were right to right wing. Hard left agenda. Printing money, nationalisation without compensation. That's hard left wing position. Hard left, it's the hard left, it's the hard left. The hard left, the hard left, the hard left, hard left, hard left, the 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 hard left, Harry's crown. You don't fuck with Harry's money. You don't fuck Harry's girls. These are the rules. This is the world. I would like to begin by saying a personal skit for season. Jack wouldn't tolerate dissent against left-wing consensus. You don't even understand it. The Stalinist, essentially, had a bust line on his wall. Utterly mediocre men who've never risked anything. I think it is wrong what is going on here right now. These journalists are being bullied and shut up. By the way, I'll probably put featuring Wario Tifo again, just because yep. we, we haven't had many guests recently, so it's, it just... You know, it advertises, but it's not just like me and Tom, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I right, know, that's, that's fine, yeah. But yeah. It's just, we, yeah. we did it with Kieran at first as well. I think Laura was... Uh, yeah. Well, she did one episode as a guest, and then straight away she was a host. But with the first yeah. few Kieran episodes, he was a returning guest. Yeah. I mean, you're not technically a guest, but obviously you're Mr. Seamus Milne now, but like... Exactly, yeah. yeah I've got promotion and everything. In March... The spokesman for the leader of the opposition, Mr. Seamus Mill, was quoted as saying to journalists that you have the milk that is taking over the whole operation. Exactly. Yeah, nothing to do, of course, with my like massive fatigue of politics or anything. But I'm just like, how can I like? <laughs> Offload as much of the <laughs> as much of the work here as possible. Um, I do like that it was like yeah, hugely fatigued with politics. Literally two hours later, right, we're gonna fucking rip into Harry's place tomorrow, right? Yeah, I, I think that I think that's kind of that's like the cycle of depression. Is like I'm I'm really yeah. just like fuck it, I can't be asked to do anything, and then a couple of hours later, I'm like, all right, let's yeah. go, let's fucking yeah. do this. <laughs> Not much middle of the ground, either all in or fucked a lot of it, yeah. Yeah. yeah that sounds about right. St. <laughs> Petersburg at it again. St. Petersburg troll factories. The St. Petersburg troll factories are ready 
just a Seamus Milner. I'm going to get up that website, actually, that Simon sent me, the power base one. Yeah, I've got the, the main Harry's Place page on that up now. That is quite a reference to Ollie Cam in there as well. What a surprise. Yeah, God, yeah. Could, yeah. David Hirsch is another one who crops yeah. up. This particular website is just one I always end up going down a rabbit hole every, of some sort every time I open it up. Yeah, so what is Powerbase? Essentially, it's like a wiki site. for It calls itself like public interest investigations, oh, but okay. it's really, I think, a broadly left-wing attempt to highlight what a lot of these sites and commenters and news organisations are in terms of, you know, how quickly sort of scandals and stuff get memory hold, like Johan Harry, for example, who yeah. actually did face <laughs> the consequences for it. And he appears but a lot was... in the Harry's Place and the Houston Manifesto pages. Oh, of course. He's a, a key figure, you know, alternately a villain and then a hero and then a turncoat villain to him, you know? Yeah, because um, he, he backtracked on his hawking beliefs didn't he they in fact largely tend to claim credit for basically discrediting him which is a load of bullshit right. jeremy duns jeremy duns who isn't harry's place as such but oh, jeremy, very loosely jeremy aligned duns. with him oh you he mean claims... brexistant yeah him. <laughs> specifically him yeah yeah uh, that's as good a guess as anyone to come up with i think yeah, yeah i think so he won't know him what i'm talking about anyway him nah <laughs> What's that other guy? Jimmy Sack, Jimmy Rushmore. Oh, yeah, yeah, that guy. That He's very much part of the pro-war sensible left. Absolute freak, that guy, man. Proper racist and all. In the kind of Harry's Place way, in fact. So yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was at least an avid reader of it in its glory years. I did think Power Base, it's not written as objectively as Wikipedia. Uh, oh there, no, it's, 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 the it's, it's the editor's opinions. And, there are some yeah. crank tendencies on there. I largely would oh, 100%. say... I agree with the politics for the most part, but I mean, like, for example, the very first subsection on the Harry's Pace page is a massive section called Zionist Orientation, which, I mean... They do have a oh, Zionist Jesus, orientation. Yeah. Uh, don't get but me wrong. But the fact that it's it's front loaded and there's about f- five paragraphs on it, yeah, yeah. But that has, yeah. I guess, in power bases defence, a furious defence of Israel and, and and the Israeli state's crimes has always been a core oh, part. It's it's a key key belief of it, you know. Yes, mm. yeah. The, the subheadings on this are a bit shit. There's a huge list of Harry's Place's many enemies, which is quite a useful thing to put on there. You know, Jerry the regular Corbyn. targets that they go for. Yes. Uh, Mehdi Hassan. Uh, but it's the fact that it's under the heading of like McCarthyite tactics. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I really do use McCarthyite tactics, but it's just a yeah. bit. Yeah. Seamus Milne is on there, mm. as well as former free and bad company lead vocalist Paul Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> the London Review of Books. Bastards. Noam Chomsky and also the Muslim Council of Britain. To be fair, the section on Islamophobia on the Harry's Place page on yeah. Powerbase, I think, is pretty much bang on. George Monbiot, Glenn Greenwald, <laughs> Howard Zinn, Jenny Tung. She's a Liberal Democrat baroness, the anti-imperialist Lib Dem left. Uh, she's critical of Israel and vocal in support of the Palestinian cause, apparently. Controversial acts and comments led to accusations of anti-Semitism 
racism and to her eventual suspension from the Lib Dems. She resigned from the party in 2016, so she's actually been an independent of the Lords since 2012. And it looks like that she, she's made various comments about the quote-unquote Israel lobby and stuff. So, like, okay, you can see why Harry's place came yeah. to, to a disagreement with Jenny Tung there. And of course you've got Slavoj Zizek, Seamus Milne, The Guardian in general, which is weird because The Guardian definitely published basically advertorials for Harry's Place by Harry's Place contributors. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of respectable columnists and that would say they happily write for it, you know. Do you reckon um, Seamus commissioned the Harry's Place people for The Guardian? I must have done at least once, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hopefully he fucking stiffed them on the invoice or something, man. Yeah. <laughs> he gave you know, Bin Laden work is fairly fee. apart from those cunts. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, like... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Put them on the opposite page to Bin Laden's yeah. speech, man. <laughs> An opposing view. <laughs> give, yeah, give Bin Laden, like, a big picture in yeah. there and them just, like, crammed into some tiny little box. <laughs> That's how you're doing fucking balance in the media. Exactly. Oh, good old Seamus, man. Um, <laughs> should we backtrack and do the start yeah. of this episode properly? Because like we That's haven't really probably introduced an idea, what we're yeah. doing. Yeah, we've just kind of gone straight into talking about what research we've been doing. Just going to war with any sort of structure or just concept of linear time now. That's, that's the level our podcast's on. <laughs> exactly. This is non-linear warfare. <laughs> yeah, taking that very literally. Yeah. <laughs> Russia! Okay, so today on Real Politic, myself, Jack Van Reed, and my brand new director of strategy and communications, brackets, Mr. Seamus Mill. Mr. Seamus Mill. At Wario Tifo, Geran. Hello. He is here today to talk with me about Harry's Place, the possibly at one point influential British blog, representative the pro-war, the sensible left, and generally that kind of movement in the early to mid-2000s that also comprised the Euston Manifesto. Mm-hmm. There's this guy called Alan Johnson who's not the Labour MP, but he is a proper Euston Manifesto guy, and he mm. edited this journal that has since been subsumed into Descent magazine. Democracia or something. It was like a Greek word for democracy, I think. It's a very Kilroy Silk take on any political engagement, isn't it? Yeah. Just get a vaguely Latin-sounding name and that'll do, you know, something from the the ancient world. But it sort of also has to be something that could plausibly be a team name in a series of The Apprentice. (laughs) And I think it's got to sound, like, vaguely leftish. Not too leftist, not like anything with like solidarity in the name, although to be fair, not everything with solidarity in the name is particularly leftist, but yeah. you know, it's just, just something like, yeah, well, democracy, yeah, democracy is, you know, sensible centre-left <laughs> policy, yeah. and then the Greek thing will be like, well, you know, it's kind of, because at heart, these guys are all those little nerds with the statues in their Twitter avatars, <laughs> you know. Fucking hurry up and call yourselves Dignitas and just square the circle. Lads. <laughs> Call yourself Sargon of Academy, lads. Sargon and the uh, lads. I don't know. Yeah, uh, people who are really, really too far into Crusader Kings and all these games, you know? They're sort of deep historical <laughs> simulations, but they, they start to think, oh, this is fun playing around in 11th century Europe. Yeah. Let's make the what, let's idolize the people from it. 
<laughs> okay, so, right, I've gone on this guy, Alan Johnson, the editor of yeah. Democratia. It was an online journal edited by Alan Johnson, and it lasted 16 issues before it was incorporated into dissent in autumn 2009 and i will just point out real politic this is going to be its 104th 105th episode so up yours sensible left yeah, we are objectively issues. more successful yep. small time shit really we haven't been Bullshit. incorporated into any wider public like one day real politic just becomes like a part of trash future or something uh, like... you were just getting warmed up after 16 episodes you hadn't even really angered many blue ticks at that point no but. that was very early on i mean although you could say that democracy managed to get a lot more done in a lot less time they seem to anger plenty of people but basically within this quote-unquote eustonian current from the <laughs> mid 2000s it's comparable i think to the lm network you know lm standing for living marxism this network of interconnected organizations publications yeah. think tanks events that all come back to the former members of the revolutionary communist party basically yeah. who, uh, there's nothing communist about any of them it's a right-wing libertarian free marketeer project it's free speech as a sort of shovel to bring the rest of their disgraceful politics in yeah know? absolutely uh, spiked most prominently obviously the main one these days yeah also they now have some political representatives in the brexit party <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah claire fox real politic follower claire fox but uh <laughs> i don't know maybe she unfollowed us we never followed her back but i didn't block her because i was like that's quite funny that claire fox follows us yeah. <laughs> the only podcast followed by both claire fox and seamus milne's kid and the, Eric the, Joyce. literally the entire yeah yeah <laughs> we're yeah. actually again more committed to representing the entire political spectrum than yeah. any of the, the fuckers in the mainstream well you know at the end of the day aren't we really seamus milne's kids <laughs> the children yeah. of milne seamus's generation the milne generation exactly <laughs> Just imagining a load of kids popping out in like three-piece suits and shades and sort of just looking vaguely sinister in the background. It's, it's a beautiful image, isn't it? Yeah. You know? Well, there was that... Uh, it's a glorious future. There was that quote given to Kevin Schofield the other day by one of his anonymous sources in the PLP, which was just like, It's the summer of Seamus. <laughs> I mean, like, Sound great. of the summer. That sounds awesome. <laughs> like the most anti-imperialist summer on record. All the colonised nations around the world start rising up against their oppressors. <laughs> Sorry, we've gone on a very long tangent here. What I was saying was that democracy is part of this Eustonite current that also includes a myriad LM network style front organisations, including Labour Friends of Iraq, which seems to basically just be like a lobby group for invading Iraq, or at least <laughs> was at one point. I don't know how often power base is updated, but I don't know, a lot of the stuff on here seems to stop at about 2009. Yeah, I think this was like Harry's Place itself, very much a product of that sort of blogosphere yeah. of the long noughties, if you like. There was also... It's still there, still going, but it's not. It's, it's, it's had its day of real influence. There was also another organisation that was headed up by Alan Johnson, not the MP, which was called... The Lesser Alan Johnson. We yeah, could the Lesser Alan on, Johnson. Which is saying a lot. Yeah, although I think the other Alan Johnson probably would agree with a lot of their political positions. But they have this organisation called Engage, which is an anti-anti-Semitism charity, but it's purely about combating anti-Semitism on the left, 
Although it does say left yeah. and liberal anti-Semitism. And if you want to know what they define as anti-Semitism, there's some stuff including George Galloway, <laughs> which is like, yeah, okay. But then they also, the very first statement on this page is that they think that the boycott of Israeli artists, musicians, writers, and teachers, because of the actions of their government, is a worldview that sees Israel and Jews as being central to some kind of global imperialist conspiracy, which I think is, to put it mildly an uncharitable reading of what BDS is. Yes. Yeah. Uh, they make a massive leap there from there's a boycott, therefore it must be because people think there's a Jewish conspiracy. You can kind of see, quite obviously, some of this rhetoric. I mean, David Hirsch was a principal figure in that organisation, and he, I think, is a very vocal critic of the Labour Party now over anti-Semitism. So, yeah. uh, so some of this stuff has carried over, and then at the same time, there's another organisation that Alan Johnson co-founded in 2005, and this is, according to the AWL, actually, who have many links with all these groups, it was a subgroup created by Labour Friends of Iraq, although Alan Johnson denied this, and this group was called Unite Against Terror. <laughs> they think they're being very clever with the, making the name of the organisation sound like left-wing organisations. Yeah. And- just fuck off, lads. <laughs> yeah, so this was a year before the Houston Manifesto. Alan Johnson said, second, I did not write the statement alone. I guess they wrote a kind of Houston-style founding manifesto. He says that Harry and I co-wrote it with help and input from other people. So now we've got a little bit into this kind of network of hawkish sensibles. Mm-hmm. Should we explain what the cornerstone of our discussion today Harry's place is yeah. and who Harry may be because okay yeah I think I know who he is and I can cite a source that says who he is but I can't yeah. say conclusively that I myself know it to be him yeah it was certainly I believe was originally him there's some discussion as to whether he's kept ownership of the site the whole time. Oh, I don't think he has. I think it says somewhere yeah. on Powerbase that Harry of Harry's Place fame actually left the site fairly early on. I think about 2006, maybe? Yeah, which was yeah still a little while into it. But yeah. Yeah, and, and yeah, um... it matches what I've read. Yeah. So what is so Harry's basically, Place? Like, you had the Houston Manifesto, obviously, which was essentially people presenting to varying extents as centre-left, left-wing, centrist even as well, that were quite hawkish in terms of foreign policy, uh, with a number of concerns, one of which is they were concerned about radical Islam, and there was a big series of strands, I think, within that, of people who would mean that specifically to mean active terror cells, and people who would extend that to different levels of who is and isn't a fellow traveller. Yeah, I mean... Some of them were really quite broad about who they mean, so some of them make some quite nasty generalizations that basically any Muslim that doesn't explicitly denounce terrorism is endorsing it. I, um, I think it goes even further than that. I mean, just to quote this yeah, power base. It certainly page, has, yeah. Harry's Place's definition of Islamism is so expansive that it includes everything from fringe groups such as al Muhajirin, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, to mainstream Muslim organizations such as yeah. the Muslim Council of Britain yeah. and the Federation and I- of student islamic societies <laughs> yeah and i think harry's place essentially was the str- 
strand within the Houston Manifesto that were most hardline, that were most concerned about Islam specifically, rather than the lovely principle of Western liberal interventionist foreign policy. Yeah. With all the flaws that come along with that, this lot were very specifically, this needs to be done in most Muslim countries. You know, they, they were really the most blatant about it, really. So Harry's Place was essentially a blog that was set up from that, that was essentially taking all the worst bits, of which there are many, from the Houston Manifesto, from fucking Norm Blog with Mr. Geras, and amping it up a lot in often really quite inflammatory ways, I believe more and more openly as the site went on. But it was always quite controversial, quite confrontational. And McCarthy, like Power Base says, really, it was very much, we don't like these aspects of the left. Here are all the people we're going to name that are expressing these views and why they must be removed from public life. I've got an absolute belter of an article I've found from December 2006. Oh, yeah? That is, so goodbye then, Seamus Milne. Seamus <laughs> Milne is on his way out of the Guardian. Uh, uh, sorry, is... let me correct you, uh, please. Mr. Seamus Milne. Mr. Seamus Milne. I, in my own speech, would always respect the official style, guys. <laughs> I am simply, in my commitment to journalism, reporting the alleged journalism of hurryupharry.org. Do they um, not have a Gates' tendency at Harry's place? I mean, for fuck's sake, are they, they're really not representing the pro-interventionist centre-left here, in my view. I think Gates probably doesn't act the hard man enough. He does a bit, and it's funny, but these are all sort of people who like to act like they're going to physically attack any leftist that comes on their patch. There's so many good quotes in this article. By the way, Seamus Milne's career as comment editor has been characterized by an editorial approach which suggests he has little understanding of the nature of journalism, but a very strong commitment to promoting the political projects of his cronies. His cronies, God, it's exactly the same as the way people write about Milne these days. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're very much one that battle is, is the worrying thing. <laughs> Milne also commissioned a series of eccentric articles by nostalgist and Serb-apologist Neil Clark. Milne even published an even stranger peer into Hungarian communism by Neil Clark's wife. <laughs> oh, you think that's bad? You should see what you fucking published by those Harry's Place guys. Wow, they were kicking off about Andrew Murray in 2006 as well. In the oh, same wow. Article as Milne's other Stalinist chums. I mean, that's really interesting because to me it yeah. seems like before anyone has a chance to do anything, they've already got this kind of hate cult around them if yes. they're on the left. But yes. obviously I'm relatively young compared to a lot of these people. And so they've mm. been hating Seamus Milne and hating Andrew Murray way before Jeremy Corbyn, and hating Jeremy Corbyn, way before Jeremy Corbyn was a Labour yeah. leader. Yeah, while you were still in school, they were absolutely kicking off. Uh, uh, Mr. Milne. And the rest of us are just kind of like people on the left who are anti-war, broadly socialist, like are such a marginal force in society, especially were at that particular point. Yes. But oh, yeah, yeah. How could really that be a pressing concern? But for these guys, it is the most pressing concern that there was at that point, like one anti-war writer at The Guardian. <laughs> oh, and Monbiot. Is... And Mumbai as well. They hate, <laughs> yeah. they hate him. Yeah, of course, yeah. They hate quite a lot of people, but, yeah. you know, Milne and Murray are obviously ones that have become more influential now than they ever were yeah. as active journalists and writers, as good as they and Milne in particular was at that. But I think this is the thing. The site is long past its peak. It doesn't get many readers, much discussion like it used to in its so-called heyday. But 
it's got a certain influence in the sense that when these people have come into prominence now, there's been a bit of a left resurgence and yeah. some opportunity within Labour for left activism. You've got more young people getting involved and so on as well. And, and these are the people that are in senior positions running the thing. Shit lazy journalists are able to just put this person's name into Google and yeah. find an archive of hit pieces from every time they've made a speech. And um, that will, yeah, and of course and this will shape their perceptions just, just of this person. Them a bit. They're just, just like, well, Seamus Milne, it appears that the yeah. consensus on this one blog that has written extensively about Seamus Milne as an individual yeah. is that he is a uh, quote-unquote crank. Have you noticed that? They use the word crank a lot and they have a very broad definition of it. Yeah, um, yeah. And Fucking... it, again, is, is summoning up the elasticity of the definition of crank now used where it's just like, oh, Jeremy Corbyn's a crank. A lot of the attack articles on these people in these circles today are essentially old Harry's Place articles, which would have been by pseudonymous Harry Hatchett or David Tube, who was one of their most libelous writers. Those bylines filed off, put fucking Iggy Yaw standing or something at the oh, top, God, and there yeah. you go. That's a new news article in about 20 papers, you know? I mean, he, he's their kind of spiritual successor, isn't he? Yeah, apart from a couple like Nick Cohen, obviously these aren't household names, these contributors, to, regular contributors to Harry's Place, but... I just imagine them having all the same fucking stupid pube mustaches as Iggy Austin. Oh my god, that like, guy's morally hair is do. appalling. Mor- morally. Appalling. And that, that guy, I mean, he's a proper Harry's Place dude because I don't regularly keep up with his journalism, but I'm sure he has at one point exposed some genuine instance of anti-Semitism, but the vast majority the vast of things he exposes it, yeah. are just somebody is anti-war, somebody is pro-Palestinian, someone is yeah. like pro-Irish or something, because this lot all want to just rip up the Good Friday Agreement as well. You read some massive headline in six papers and you clip through it, it's like... Freelance blogger Iggy Austin has discovered that Seamus Milne once said that the Palestinian people are oppressed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like, right? oh my god, really? This was never something that Seamus wrote a book and multiple columns on. Not the whole of his second book, but it's a collection of his yeah. columns and it largely is. deals with his anti-imperialist views. I, I don't know if there's more of that anti-Seamus Milne piece that you wanted to read. Not much on that one particularly. I, I, I think I, there I, are more Seamus Milne pieces on it. <laughs> oh, I don't doubt it, but I was going to say there's a bit on the power base website oh, oh no in fact let's go over to nick cohen's wikipedia page for a second stupid cunt so the muslim council one day one <laughs> glorious day we'll be able to go to his mugshot instead yeah <laughs> the muslim council of britain has described cohen as being on the vanguard of islamophobia in this country all right so here we go in this guardian article from 2006 it's about john where who recently made that anti-Labour documentary, (laughs) who is described here as sharp as tax, who would make an improbable Secret Service agent. Yeah, I don't know about that. But apparently, where in 2006 said he is one of five journalists, the others being Martin Bright, who was at the time a political editor of The New Statesman, which published the Euston Manifesto at the time. Melanie Phillips of the Daily Mail. Obviously, her views have been extensively praised by such luminaries as fascist mass murderer Anders Breivik. The Observer's Nick Cohen and the Times writer turned Tory MP Michael Gove, who have been labelled by the Muslim Council of Britain as 
being on the vanguard of Islamophobia in this country. So there you go, and if you want to go to the Islamophobia section on the Harry's Place Powerbase article, it also serves as the preferred platform for journalists such as Nick Cohen for denouncing the coddlers of quote-unquote radical Islam, which according to him include, <laughs> okay, everyone from the BBC, <laughs> the Liberal Democrats, New Labour, <laughs> The mainstream, in, in quotation marks, and the Foreign Office. Famously pro-Islamofascism. Definitely, the Foreign yeah. Office. <laughs> yeah, this is a definite fucking tendency in terms of they take... There's a lot of people in Britain that think Muslim extremism is considerably more widespread than it actually is. Yeah. Uh, or they or think theorize that, that it is. They, they think that, like, a this pers- lot really take it to extremes. Or, like, I mean, I, I've had just, just like, a completely mm-hmm. anecdotal, but a few years ago, obviously I'm from Surrey, so I went to school with a few racists, and then I bumped yeah. into a guy I went to school with a few years ago, and I was having a cup of tea at some cafe with my mate, and this guy came and kind of sat with us for a bit, and he was telling us about how he hated jihadists, and it became pretty clear clear after a while that jihadists were just basically in his perspective just like observant muslims like probably just like guys with caps on going to mosque <laughs> i'm pretty sure it's a similar sort of thing for harry's place there's some interesting stuff here on this power base thing actually about they looked at it in 2009 late 2009 and sort of what sites harry's place had been linking to most frequently yeah and the most by far was Norm blog, Norman Garris's blog. Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> it is, there's a lot of sort of pro-Israel sites on there. Yeah. But the domestic stuff is really, it was Oliver Cam's blog. Yeah. the highest sort of high-profile blogger. Yeah, I mean, uh, incidentally... The second most being his, his Times blog, uh, yeah, as opposed to his personal one. Oliver Cam's Times articles are the only yeah. place in a mainstream publication to have regularly linked to Harry's yeah. place. The rest are all blogs. It's all other bloggers' stuff. But it also shows sites also visited via Google Ad, ad Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, if you were trying to take an ad out for that site, it would tell you what other sites their readers would go to. And yeah. it's very, very revealing. There's right-wing neocon publications and blogs, as Powerbase put it. Things like Standpoint. Number three is Guido Fawkes' website, where obviously the comment sections are a hive of open racism, anti-Semitism, yeah. uh, bigotry of every stripe. Like uh, Harry's Place's yeah. comments, in fact. You've got fucking Sonny Hundal's site in fourth, which is probably the most respectable thing on the list. Oh, liberal. Uh, I was wondering what liberalconspiracy.org yeah. was. I couldn't, even no. the title, it could be a liberal thing, it could be a conservative it was just, thing. It was just a ridiculous melt blog, really. Like, Sonny Hundal was a, a figure <laughs> a of fun. ridiculous melt, so yeah, uh, makes a, sense. A figure of fun to the, the pre-Twitter sort of rude last. Dizzy Thinks was a Tory blog. It was a peer of, I'm trying to think what Harry Cole's old, Tory Bear was his old blog. The same sort of thing as, as Harry Cole's old blog and like a direct peer of him. Okay. So you got the right, Spectator d- next. Yeah, Spectator, obviously. Jewish oh, sorry. Well, Stephen Pollard was editing the Jewish Chronicle back then as well, so it had quite oh, a yeah. right-wing editorial perspective back in those yeah. days as well. And then the New yeah. Statesman, <laughs> obviously. The New Statesman, yeah. I don't, that, <laughs> this was early in the reign of terror of the current editor, I believe. Yeah, I think so. Just as he was taking over, so he probably it was probably better then than it is now, but probably not very good. But if this was, sense. I reckon it was probably less like we're liberal and unaligned, more like we're kind of 
Labour leaning. But at the yeah. same time, back in those days, their political editor was Martin Bright, who you will recall from a few minutes <laughs> yeah, ago, yeah. was described as one of the primary vectors of Islamophobia in this country. Well, he's so... the guy, like, no matter what he does and has done with his career, what I will always know him for is that ridiculous video on YouTube where Nick Cohen is at the Orwell Prize oh, ceremony. So good. So absolutely good. roaring drunk. Just being <laughs> a boorish little prick, even by his standards. Yeah. And he's just kicking off, oh, you call yourselves the Orwell Prize. <laughs> George Orwell, who, who <laughs> fought fascism and put himself on the line. And Martin Bright isn't even nominated. Yeah. What on earth has got to do with George Orwell? I think it is wrong what is going on here right now when journalists are being fired and pushed out and bullied and shut up by the BBC, by the New States and by the Guardian and a prize in the name of George Orwell. Can't you recognise it? What the fucking hell? Why isn't Martin Bright on the shortlist of this? Why is Peter Oborn, a man who spends most of his time trying to shut out the journalists, why is he on this? Because it fits, it fits your view of the world. Now, that's fine, that's fine. Call it your view of the world. Don't drag, don't rob the grave of poor old Orwell. You leave that poor old guy alone. He will want nothing to do with people like you. And that he's literally so bad that yeah. fucking Peter hit... I'm not even going to spoil it, like, when, when we... Actually, he's in the audience, isn't he? He's we, not yeah, on the panel. When, when we run this episode, I will make sure to, to link that video in we'll the We'll get replies. the clip in the episode as yeah, well. Yeah, I won't spoil what it is, but from the floor... Peter fucking Hitchens just destroys him. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's excellent. He's just like, basically, pull yourself together, man. Just, just You're a And I just it, sat here and listened. Martin Bright's not on the list, but Peter Oborn is. I and Peter Hitchens is. For fuck's sake, these are people on 100 grand a year. Nick, Nick. I'll... These are people who have never risked anything in their life. They're the people who always made prefects in your okay. school. All right. All right. Uh, uh, hold, let's try and get. Let's just. This, this is in the fine tradition of, of, of Orwell debates because I remember, yeah, I remember nothing about Peter, Peter Hitchens did exactly the same last year um, where he, from this panel. I was sober at the time. <laughs> Stick to the matter of principle and you might make more converts, but to behave like this in public, honestly, you just make yourself look silly. Yeah, uh, your point. My well, point. I, mean, sorry, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't invited here to debate, but I, I, I can't really sit here and, and be, be serious. There's many reasons this is the case, but this is one of the reasons why I'm surprised that Nick Cohen is able to show himself in public. You know? Yeah, yeah, many reasons for that. To retire course, from public life. Yeah, uh, of course, the Houston yeah. Manifesto era, circa 2006, Nick Cohen was still writing for the New Statesman. In fact, he co-wrote the original pro 
mm. Houston Manifesto piece in the New Statesman. What, he has subsequently, yeah, he yeah. has subsequently been blacklisted by that publication and has not been published by them since I think 2007. So no idea what <laughs> happened there. Yeah, yeah. And of course Oliver Cam, who we've talked about, he's Freak. still going. In fact, the first real politic Twitter account yeah. was famously suspended <laughs> for threatening him with a, a what was it, a cricket bat. <laughs> It was a cricket bat, yeah. I, I, I forget yeah. it was a cricket baseball bat. No, <laughs> Not, it, no, it wasn't a tennis racket. I know that, but it, it was, was cricket because it was you've cricket. got to put the threats in a language that a sad little England freak like Oliver Cam would understand. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, we we uh, we lost an account for that. We did our time. <laughs> to be honest, worth it. Worth no, we it. didn't lose an account. We got suspended. No, we got suspended got, like, for a week, yeah, you and got then we got for a while, so we got perma suspended. Yeah, we got perma suspended over the Daily Mail stuff, but the Cam thing just yeah. got, just we just had to switch yeah. to our old. You <laughs> might have got away with it, maybe, maybe not. If, if it weren't for those meddling but... fucking journalists. Full critical support of the Kieran threatening Oliver Cam with violence. <laughs> Cam, who has apparently now been banned from editing Wikipedia pages. <laughs> Oh no no no! Come on, let's let's be fair to him. We don't want to get sued. He's only banned from editing Wikipedia pages about UK events or figures. Oh okay okay sorry yeah 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 yeah. A certain account that is on Wikipedia that is quite possibly Oliver Cam. Yeah, his, his <laughs> rabid right wing anti Palestinian anti all yeah. sorts of other causes. Yeah, views I don't know why I think... everyone thinks Oliver Cam's a cunt. Yeah, and his I don't. Creepy I... behaviour towards yeah, other I mean... bloggers, towards Wikipedia editors. Towards I kind of, I kind of. I mean, fuck. Let's talk about Harry. Harry Hatchet, because he's the founder of Harry's Place. He's the guy who made it all begin. And there's a, <laughs> a shockingly influential figure in many ways, despite stepping down from Harry's Place quite early on in their history. <laughs> hey, get this. External resources. Harry Hatchet. Little Atoms interview. <laughs> Little Atoms are too fucking small time to, to have their own page on here. But of course, when we were talking about the sensible left and the pro-war left, I, w- I was saying to Geraint, like, are there any pro-war podcasts I could listen to with a spliff? And then I was like, well, I guess Little Atoms. But then I find them such just like insufferable twee fucking shite that I just could not. I, I, I'm not going to listen to fucking Padrag Reedy fucking bang on like after after his disparaging comments about our uh, sound quality in an episode that i had i struggled very hard to edit because there were technical difficulties a blood vendetta against padra grady from little atoms has now now been put in place i uh <laughs> you know i will hold this grudge for the rest of my Quite life fucking right man <laughs> yeah probably get more listeners than that can yeah yeah <laughs> and this is just with fucking jury rigged Skype setups, you know? I wanted to talk about Harry himself. Yes. Let's cite somebody who I think is very trustworthy. Blogger, sociologist, friend of the show, and former aide to Tristram Hunt, (laughs) Phil BC. Phil Burton Cartledge, one of the great analysts of Tory ideology and one of the clearest commentators on his blog, a very public sociologist.blogspot.com on the Corbyn era over the Mm -hmm. last few years. Now, Phil 
identifies in a very he does it very kind of offhandly so this is in an article about the uk left network which was a discussion group set up in the early 2000s of which phil was an admin and he talks about how bad-tempered exchanges probably contributed to Harry Steele slash Hatchet, which were his two pseudonyms, setting up Harry's place. And next to Harry Steele slash Hatchet, he puts brackets Simon Evans. There's a link to a now dormant website called sgevans.com, but Simon Evans is on Twitter at SG Evans and he is a Reuters football correspondent who Yeah fucking that's hell, a looks very, terrifying. A very authentic twist if you read any of his journalism really. He's he, very much He's got that look of like cold, murderous he's just thinking about like how he hates fucking like John Pilger or something and his profile picture yeah. is just like I am going to crush yeah. Ken Loach between my little finger and my thumb. Cross he between... sits at home and he tells everyone who disagrees with him on anything to read some fucking Orwell. Of all people, Orwell would have revolted against this. And then he goes in the next day and he clocks on to write his shit authentograph football journalism. <laughs> and he tells everyone to read some fucking Glanville. See, when I was growing up, it was a weird time for sports journalism because there was a lot of the sort of dinosaurs of it hanging around. And then things had changed a lot. And a lot of these guys really stood out because their style as much as they were probably good at it in their day or whatever they still contain stuff that you just couldn't get away with today like that's just absurd national stereotyping like yeah. saying that like german footballers were like inherently efficient because it's the national character and stuff like that <laughs> and some quite off-handed racist stuff about the africans being naive and, and this sort of thing you know well, okay and there's a lot of broadsheet ish football journalists just kind of seem to idolize these people without really reckoning with it so they're not going to go and be bigoted like that themselves they just kind of hold these people up as being uncritical heroes that have actually dated really badly and there's a nice parallel i think with that and with how they actually treat a lot of politics and political writers looking in the mirror Harry didn't like what he saw. The cheeks of his mother, the eyes of his father, as each day crashed around him, the future stood revealed. He was turning into his parents. The final disappointment. If you're curious about Simon Evans's views on Corbyn, in June 2016 he said, If Labour doesn't reconnect, and I can't see how they can with Corbyn in charge, UKIP will take the North like the SNP took Scotland. Paul Nuttall is leader of UKIP. Labour should be quaking in their boots. Instead, they're focused on praising Castro, Chavez, and all the other... <laughs> Frank figures on the anti-imperialist left. Here we go. He's replied to uh, Toby Young has done some tweet. <laughs> it's like a terrible meme that Toby Young posted that 1.3 thousand idiot Tories actually shared. But it's basically a terrible meme saying, I would like to take this opportunity to congratulate Venezuela on finishing runners-up and winning the under-20s World Cup. 
Ha! And someone said, you should write the next Tory manifesto. That was a crap joke as well. And Simon Evans responded to this guy saying that Toby Young made a bad joke. He was like, I can't have this. Don't say that Toby Young's jokes are bad. Don't just, just don't go there. And he says, not as bad as the economic mess Corbyn's hero Chavez made of poor Venezuela. Zing. Zing. Oh, he's got, he's really seen off, seen off. Corbyn needs to listen to the tragic family stories here in Little Havana. (laughs) I agree. Corbyn needs to sit down in front of the movie Scarface and learn the plight of the Cuban diaspora. He needs to just listen to some effing Marco Rubio speeches. UKIP aren't a party for the North. Neither of the SNP. No shit, mate. Or Corbyn's London Labour. So he's really into this, like, Corbyn Labour. Newcastle not going to vote for SNP. Yeah, yeah, I know. A, like, no shit. But B, like, he's very into this, like, Labour under Corbyn, a rootless cosmopolitans kind of thing. I'm looking at this guy's recent tweets, right? And yeah. he's, he's quote tweeted something saying about the value to brands of shirt sponsorship for the top Premier League football teams. And he's complaining, sadly, for those of us who clean football shirts, sponsors' logos won't be disappearing anytime soon. And I'm reading about his love of clean football shirts and everything about his awful politics. And I'm thinking, <laughs> is this the necessary evil equivalent to Trevor Bastard? Dun, 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 dun. I've been all over the world. I had a sex dream. I've been all over the world. I had a sex dream. In both, <laughs> who famously loved I've extremely crowded and garish football world. shirts and has good politics. So what, like, what does it? Does, does it his existence mean... mean there has to be a Simon Evans somewhere? <laughs> does it mean just very sparsely designed shirts or like shirts with no advertising on them? He, he basically just wants like plain shirts with the, the club colours and like the little club badge on them, which is There's fair enough. There's notes like, for you. But... Ain't saying for Pepsi. Ain't saying for Coke. So it's, it's like the football version of Neil Young's This Note for You. Yeah, it's, it's, he's anti-sponsored, and that, that would be fair enough, but the That's entire rest of his politics are, are essentially why sponsorship yeah. and, and the commercialism of sport has gone See, out of control. I, I... I think this is a thing, and this is as I noticed with the backlash among US film types that I followed to Bernie Sanders, or the backlash amongst British music critics to Jeremy Corbyn. People will hold some left-wing views mainly pertaining to their cultural interests. So, and then this enables them basically because they're a lefty about music that they don't really have to hold Dory Alinsky or something, you know. This guy wrote a book about protest songs, but when anyone talks about actually changing the world, he's like, get fucked. Anytime someone protests within 100 miles of his house, he's... Police emergency. Uh, can I have a police? I am sneering like fuck. Yeah, it's like someone's a football fan for twenty years. They've seen how the game's going. Oh, it's it's, it's terrible, isn't it? You know, it's priced yeah. out of ordinary fans. And you're like, <laughs> oh, that, that's also true of most activities and and most anything that happens in public space now. You know, yeah. but you care about the hobbies you're into and would actively go for people kicking off about the price of a smartphone or something, you know? Yeah, absolutely. One more Simon Evans tweet before we return to Phil BC and what he says about him possibly being Harry. 
Simon Evans on September the 24th, 2016, which I guess was just like when Corbyn got re-elected. Corbyn wearing a Trump red tie. Dot, 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 dot. Right. <laughs> Fucking, what, what, what could he be signifying? It can only be a love of Stalin. It's, Keep a red yeah. tie flying here. It's a disgusting break with the traditions of the Labour Party is what it is. <laughs> so Phil BC says, I remember banning Harry Steele slash Hatchet slash Simon Evans for persistent trolling against the CPGB, <laughs> when the Communist Party <laughs> of Great Britain, obviously. When he finally set up Harry's place in 2002, I remember looking over his blog and thinking, this will never catch on. <laughs> <laughs> Admirably okay. self-effacing uh, yeah. from Phil as always. But here's an interesting bit on the Powerbase page about Harry Hatchett. Hatchett trained in Marxism as a student. He joined the Communist Party aged 18. He seems to bitterly regret this, but he says, uh, yeah, I've never gone into too much depth about the relationship between that thankfully brief period when I was a member of the Communist Party and the politics I have put forward on this blog. I entered politics as a Labour Party activist and after a brief departure to the CPGB, Labour is where I have remained and where I broadly belong. I bet that's not the case anymore, but a couple of years sabbatical in the CP did have an important influence on the development of my ideas. Accused of being a Stalinist in 2002 on the AWL website, he commented, Stalinism, which I now reject totally, was certainly responsible for generating anti-Semitism in Russia, Poland and elsewhere, and still is in many cases. So he's disavowed his past as a Stalinist. Fucking wait until he reads about 19th century Russia, man. Jesus Uh, Christ. Now there's a blog post. I don't have a link to the post itself, but there's a comment on it, and it's just after Norman Geras died. Somebody called Simon Evans commented on this blog post commemorating Norman Geras with, It is rare to meet someone with such a sharp intellect who was also such a friendly and warm person. Very sad news. And there's multiple... Goodbye, England's Rose. Yeah, that's very different to your belated reaction to his death in our last episode. (laughs) Oh, yeah, of course. Harry developed a soft spot for Italian fascists. Have you heard this bit? Because basically, (laughs) uh, Simon Monk, friend of the show, sent me some more posts online in which people speculate that Harry is Simon Evans. But here's a couple of his fucked up views. Steele criticised the Socialist Workers' Party-backed Socialist Alliance over the Oldham riots in May 2001. Now, I think that's a deceptive framing by Powerbase, because if you take out the internecine arguments between this pro-war ex-CPGB guy and the SWP, really, it's just Harry going off on a racist rant. So, he says, For the Socialist Alliance to describe the police in towns as Oldham as racist might sound radical and win a few easy recruits, but it is far too simplistic. We are not talking about Brixton or Toxteth in the early 80s. Most white people think the police have been letting Pakistani youth get away with actions that white youth would be banged up for without a second thought. It's like... That's because most white people are at least a bit racist. And he continues, and they have a point, just to make it clear that he actually agrees with this idea that the police are more anti-white than they are institutionally racist. Now, here we go. On the Alianza Nazionale, an Italian neo-fascist movement led by Gianfranco Fini, 
Hatchet wrote in 2005, challenging the Guardian's description of them as neo-fascist, that as well as making clear repudiations of Italy's fascist past and calling for votes for non-citizen immigrants, Finney has taken up other positions that run contrary to the fascist tradition in Italy. Get, get this. He is pro-European Union and pro-US. <laughs> Neither of which fit easy with the claim that he is still a fascist, as if the f- being pro-US has never been a characteristic among fascists. <laughs> Not like the CIA helped Pinochet come to power or anything. He says, after September 11th, AN posters across Italy declared solidarity with the United States. Italian fascists despise the US for obvious historical reasons. He is also, I get this, so he's definitely not a fascist, he is also explicitly in favour of capitalism and the free market. Now, are you sold here? Like, this guy is clearly not a fascist, is he? He's, he, he loves the EU, he loves the US, he loves capitalism and the free market. This, is, this guy is a sensible left, man. Again, yeah. this is a break, not only with old-style Italian corporatist fascism, but also the later post-war concept of the social right, which believed in large-scale state ownership and nationalisation. I genuinely... Okay, okay, okay. Before I start ranting, I'll read the end of this bit because it keeps being really good. So they're definitely not fascist, right? Now here's the final piece of evidence really puts the nail in the coffin of the stupid idea that this fascist movement are fascists. AN also supported the liberation of Iraq. A position that I am not aware of any of Europe's genuine fascists taking... BNP was certainly opposed to the war, and Le Pen also took the same line. That's it, the only fascists there are in Europe. Yeah, so these guys, okay, they're actually quite good because they're pro-EU, pro-US, pro-Iraq war, pro-capitalism, and pro-free market. And what I was going to say before I got to the bit about them supporting the invasion of Iraq was the bit about how Harry seems to really dislike the post-war, in his words, the post-war concept of the quote-unquote social right, which believed in large-scale state ownership and nationalisation, etc. So he seems to decisively reject the post-war consensus. And, I mean, it's not really surprising from somebody basically Blairite in their political orientation. Indeed, on the Harry's Place power base page, there is a section called to Blair's defence, but so unconvincing that these guys are, like, part of the left, <laughs> you know? Yeah, just ridiculous people. You know, they've got all these extremely dubious beliefs about various minority groups, but mm. also they support the Iraq war, so it's impossible to say if they're good or not. Like, <laughs> uh, what? No, they're, def- they're definitely good, okay? Anyone who is pro-Iraq war is a friend of the sensible left. That's it, basically. Yeah, it's a feature of the movement that their sort of claims to be in the sensible left got more obviously flimsy over time because I mean, what, over what time that? you see what they write 99% of their articles about and it's like <laughs> when people do these quizzes when there's an election on about which party should you vote for and it just sort of shows you the policies blind and you click on them and then you get people who come out like 90% Labour, 10% BNP. <laughs> yeah. Because their education policy sounds quite similar to Labour's or the Greens or something in a vacuum. But mm. then 
people are using that, but but I thought they were a far right party. Ah, you've played yourself. But the entire manifesto that isn't the racist bit for the DMP is an afterthought, whereas the quiz gives them equal weight in. And it's like that with the sensible left, like, ah, we're left wing on this area, this area, and this area, and centrist on this area, and then, you know, we have a different view on this and this, which coincidentally makes up everything we write about and what we basically stand on the street yelling at you about, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So on balance, we're actually quite left wing still. (laughs) Right now, because I think some of the positions that their writers took are worth looking into to get a kind of handle on the sensible left, I'm looking at the Democritia page on Powerbase at the moment, and I think the list of their contributors is quite interesting. So obviously their advisory board contained Nick Cohen, various names like Jane Ashworth. You see on all of these organisations, she's in all of them. She's engaged, it lists here, but she's in like Labour Friends of Iraq and stuff as well. And the person after her is Harry Barnes, the joint president of Labour Friends of Iraq. You've got Norman Garris, of course. You've got Johan Hari. You've got David Hirsch. You've got Christopher Hitchens. You've got George Howarth MP, who I think is still fucking alive and in Parliament, unfortunately. You've got Francis Ween, who I largely know from Simon Hedges, being in a sort of... Yeah, Yeah, a sort of like dysfunctional (laughs) friendship triangle with him and Nick Cohen. And then move past that and you get to contributors. You've got the kind of writers you'd expect. Cam, obviously. Various figures like Blair-era ministers. So you've got David Miliband, Hazel Blears, and in fact, Tony Blair himself. You've got people who are at the vanguard of modern-day Islamophobia nowadays, so Majid Nawaz and Anne-Marie Slaughter. One of the best fucking examples of normative determinism in history. Slaughter. Slaughter. I was thinking of Anne-Marie Waters, wasn't I? Uh, no, she's like yeah. a... She, she's a... She yeah, was so a she's... Yeah. She was Obama's director of policy That's planning. Right. Don't worry, she still has terrible politics. Oh, yeah. Absolutely <laughs> awful, um, yeah. Also contributors... Famous for why women still can't have it all, and so on. So uh, also, yeah. also contributors, you've got Dennis Healy contributed a piece to them before his death. You've Fucking got... Um, Christ. Peter Tatchell in his yeah, late yeah. career descent. Tatchell into... contributed to Harry's place as well. Into Crankish. He did, yeah. yeah. Tatchell really. He's been a crank for a while, to be he, honest. He's an outright crank. Gave him a lot of rope because of his radical credentials from when he was younger. From the especially. 80s, yeah. You've got that cunt John Bew who wrote that book about Clement Attlee a couple of years ago that I thought looked awful. By the way, John Bew, at least at the time that this was put together, he was the vice president of the Henry Jackson Society, <laughs> as well as advisory editor of Democratia and involved in the social affairs unit and standpoint. What standpoint? Man, like that, that's a guy who really hates Muslims, man. That is, oh, really? that is some CV. But anyway, I've heard from a lot of people on the soft left that that guy's book about Atlee is really good. I think probably not. Probably a load of repugnant imperialist bollocks that apologises for the Ernest Bevan side of the Attlee government. Incidentally, Democritia also solicited a posthumous contribution by Ernest Bevan. <laughs> which I don't know how that squares with their yeah, you know, furious opposition uh, to anti-Semitism. anti-Semitism yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's an imperialist, I get, I get it, but also really did think... hate Jewish people. <laughs> yeah. You know? 
do they think the anti-Semitism sort of leaves the body when he dies or something? Like, <laughs> yeah. He can't hurt them no. now. Whereas that guy Corbyn wrote the foreword to the book for, well, I mean, that's got anti-imperialism in the name. So it wouldn't have to mention Jewish people anywhere and it would still basically yeah. be anti-Semitism because they're the same thing as we now know. And then I think those are like the main names that stuck out to me on their list of contributors. There's a guy on there called Shalom Lapin who I'm not familiar with, but he's affiliated with the Houston Manifesto group Engage and Democratia. And I believe that Shalom Lapin got in some kind of beef with another prominent Houstonite. Here we go. Conversely, Tristan Stubbs of the Henry Jackson Society Great name. <laughs> criticised the Houston Manifesto group from the right, accusing Shalom Lapin of alienating potential supporters with attacks on the Blairite third way. So <laughs> you try and incorporate a little critique of Blairism into your Houstonite politics and they'll just be like, get the fuck out of here <laughs> you know <laughs> the houston website did ultimately feature several contributions on economic and social policy from labor ministers in its social democratic futures section as well as an article from tony blair entitled the progressive case for public service reform which I imagine is like, privatise it all. Interestingly, the Houston Manifesto's list of other signatories is incomplete, but I won't explain exactly how. <laughs> <laughs> how you, what name did you be looking for, Jack? <laughs> I don't know. What name could it possibly not, It's been? not like any personal friends of mine signed that manifesto or anything. But anyway, if you look at the main Houston Manifesto guys who met together, it's like Nick Cohen, yeah. Damien Council. He's a massive cunt, isn't he, for some reason yes. or other? Yeah, yeah. What's the crack with it? Oh, Gary Kent, director of Labour Friends of Iraq. So there you go. Yeah. Neil Denny from Little Atoms, the meltiest <laughs> podcast in the world. There's a blog called Hack Mao that seems to be a contemporary of, uh, of, uh, fuck what they called, um, Harry's Place, the guys we're doing an episode on. And also <laughs> another, another guy from Little Atoms called Richard Sanderson. Man, Little Atoms was bad from the start. I didn't realise quite how Yeah, bad. I think I looked to see if my mortal enemy, Padrag Reedy, had signed, <laughs> signed it, but I don't think he did. <laughs> Fucking melted. He's having yeah. the courage of his pro-war convictions, man. Yeah, but I mean, there's just loads of links on this old... found it back in April. It was the archive of Normblog, and they had, like, a regular feature where one of their readers, or, like, occasional contributors, would just do a bit about themselves, and there was a Damien Council one where he just sounds like an absolute prick even in that context there's people like oliver cam on there the link to that one was down stephen pollard did one and it's it's you know again it's just this real authentic writer, sort of i'm one of the lads right with you but i also have horrendous political views like right next to each other yeah uh, so I'd, I'd highlighted two little extracts from his little interview and it was these two questions right next to each other if you could choose anyone from any walk of life to be prime minister, who would you choose? And he's chosen Melanie Phillips. No, no, no. <laughs> he's, chosen... he's chosen Jeff Stelling, the very popular Sky Sports presenter who does the live scores as they come in, Wait, in on the Saturday. Very. Is this Stephen Pollard? Yeah. Yeah, 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 okay, that, okay. That's, that's who he wants to be so prime minister out of everyone. So he's a football fan, is he? He's a normal guy. He's an average he, guy. He's a normal guy just saying. like you. Just like you say. He likes football. Guy. He likes a cold beer. And uh, what do you consider to be women. I love women. 
<laughs> Another Lou Reed song from when he was trying to be like, look, I'm a normie, just like you guys. Like Salad and Spotify, the album. Yeah. <laughs> You're having some steak, having some Spotify. Reminded me of some kid who got shot in the head in the street getting crack. <laughs> Fuck's um, sake, Lou, more medication, right? All right, but the next, the next question immediately after that, so I've included it in the same screen cap. Yeah. What do you consider to be the main threat to the future peace and security of the world? Islam. Militant Islam. Yeah, okay, okay, got it, yeah. Right next to each other, you know. See, if it was Akehurst, he would have said Russia in a split yeah, second. Yeah, of course, yeah. Like, fair play, Luke Akehurst may agree mm-hmm. with their fanatically pro-Israel stance, but he, yeah. he's got his priorities. From the same interview, do you have yeah. any prejudices you're willing to acknowledge? Now, having already basically ranted about Islam in the same yeah. interview, You'd think he'd come up with uh, an easy answer to this, but he's gone for, I would lock up any man over the age of about 12 with long hair or a ponytail. <laughs> so he's well, not only a fucking proper driving gloves Tory, he's a proper driving gloves Tory from the 1960s. Yeah, who's angry about the hippies long. that they have now. He'd just call up his fucking yeah. nephew's gang to go along and murder the local hippies like the end of Easy Rider. And then you go for the big money, man, and then you're free. You dig? <laughs> we blew it. Um, strolls down the street on his lunch break from working as a bank manager, as the authority figure, just sort yeah. of going get a job at anyone with hair below the shoulder. You know, <laughs> that's, that's, that's his life. He would hang anyone who says these ones. I, I've got. I don't know. What? Uh, that, that that sentence doesn't make sense to me. But he would these hang ones. anyone who says these ones. Oh, that's such and a, like, eat roots and leaves era kind of grammar yeah, entry thing. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and he hates he's... football fans who only started supporting their team when it became successful. Oh, okay, Not like okay. Him, who only he's a bit of a hipster then. football when it became successful. I was into them before very cool. Yeah. I want to stick on Pollard, actually, because his fucking page on Powerbase is a fucking trip. But just of Harry Steele, he has written of his youth in Burnley. No, no, sorry, I thought he said he had no friends there, but he said my family and friends are there. He said, In my hometown, there have been no-go areas for whites for at least a decade. They developed while I was in my teens. I was stoned for entering one at the age of 12. (laughs) Stoned to death. It's like scene in Life of Brian, where it's just all the... So what he means is all the other kids in his area thought he was a prick. Yeah, they're all just cunts. They just all happened to... Like, he just, like, conveniently ignored the white ones throwing stones at him. He was just like, well, clearly this is a race war. (laughs) But just, like, no-go areas, it's remarkable the commonalities Mm. between the rhetoric of these people and basically what would become the alt-right. So one thing I did today, probably about ten minutes before you rang me, is I thought, I've not done enough prep here. What can I Google quickly? And I put in worst of harry's place hoping it would hoping someone would have collated some of the worst articles now it kind of backfired in that it came up with just like a random selection of harry's place articles with the words worst in or worst of um but one of those one from 2013 kicking off about someone called andy newman being selected as a labor candidate Okay. I've looked into this guy. He seems fairly sort of mainstream pro-Corbyn left. He's active in GMB and wrote an article in 2016 saying that GMB was being daft to endorse Owen Smith, for example. Okay. Yeah, um, which of course but, it was. Yeah. But pre-Corbyn, 2013, pre-Corbyn's leadership, 
the second paragraph of this article about Andy Newman, so the first actual reason they've given for this guy being bad, along with several other historic comments, but this is the first mm. one they handle. Not so long ago, Newman was running a witch hunt against Anne-Marie Waters of the One Law for All campaign, <laughs> which seeks to act against the imposition of Sharia law in the UK, yeah, which particularly okay, discriminates see, against women. I'm glad she came up after I got yeah, Anne-Marie Anne Slaughter Anne confused with her they, earlier. She was great. And then yeah. she said the quiet bit aloud just a bit too often, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But, How's her yeah. to the right of UKIP party going? I mean, not well, but I think it's gonna end up and it's probably in process of hoovering up like a lot of ex the sort of people that would be like paying members of the BMP yeah. I think it's going to hoover them up and maybe some of the cranks of UKIP and they're the one that Morrissey but, supports aren't they yes yeah. Yeah, yeah I really think that if the Brexit party hadn't taken off if Brexit had somehow been stopped or if we'd agreed a soft Brexit or if anything had happened that had sort of cooled down the Brexit party in any way yeah. which is a big if to be honest but I think a lot of the people that are voting for them and supporting them in the sense of just going out and knocking doors leafleting or whatever mm. would probably be leaning toward you know instead of being pulled between them and the Tories or them and UKIP and they used to be in I think a lot of them would maybe hive in off towards for Britain because it is that kind of very token effort to not appear as a fascist party but appeals to the sort of people that would absolutely get wallet inspected into one but you know it was very much places like Harry's place that were legitimising her when she was active on the Labour right as yeah. opposed to being an open racist basically but mm. she would a more open racist. She was an open racist before, but she was within the sort of shameful tolerance that the Labour establishment had at that point. It was, oh, she's telling mm. us authentic things about real working class concerns. Tale yeah. as old as time with these tosses, but this is the thing. Are they a blogger saying it to get a few commissions or you know, a, a poll prof trying to get a book deal out of it? Or are yeah. they just going to turn around and form a fascist party next week? You know, this is the, <laughs> this is one of the many dangers of all these people being fucking indulged by various platforms. I looked into the Hack Mao blogger, by the way. Sadly, the Hack Mao blog itself has now been removed from the internet. But there is a little interview with the Hack Mao admin on Norman Garris's blog. Uh, so just so. Uh, the admin of Hack Mao, which means Black Cat, I think, is not actually to do with Chairman Mao, was born in New Zealand a month after the Beatles released She Loves You. Having obtained a degree in politics... Someone, there's going to be like a more Back to the Future type, well, a, fucking, a fucking Terminator type film in the future where someone needs that time travel to destroy the Ram Album Club before it picks <laughs> up a following. Yeah, because this fucking twee bullshit. Yes, yes, I'm yeah. advocating that a race war is inevitable in the medium term future, but also I subscribe to all the glossy music magazines and I know yeah. the classic rock canon like the back of my hand. So actually, it's good. <laughs> yeah, like fuck off. <laughs> the Ram Album Club are to blame for everything. Oh the yeah, of, the awful politics combined with sort of respectable end of normie music opinions you know yeah sort of. what i found interesting was that they'd taken down one of their posts so i did a bit of digging to work out what it was and it was jim oh. waterson reviewing an album by the hold steady 
<laughs> why did they take it down? Like, <laughs> the, no, but seriously, like the two on the other side were like one with Tracy Fawn. I've got no problem with Tracy Fawn, but you can read her opinions every week in the New Statesman, so it wasn't a particularly yeah. novel kind of thing. And you can also, um, to be honest, hear a New Statesman column just in her music. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of it's, it's yeah. just not the most difficult I don't hate them or anything but it's just not a difficult transition but Tracy Fawn fairly inoffensive the guy oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the guest on the other side of Jim Waterson now disgraced heartbeats and his piece was still up so that his like, is still up and they've taken down the absolute we, the absolute scumbag but not Guido Jim as, yeah not <laughs> not in the same way that everyone would agree he's a scumbag Jim Waterson like yeah. what yeah, I find it interesting. Maybe like Jim Waterson was just like not he 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 didn't give the hold steady enough credit for just how hard they rock. But... Maybe one of the people running the blog is like friends with his wife, his missus, or something. <laughs> I can't elaborate further. <laughs> no, no, no. Let's. Uh, yeah, yeah. Lawyers, if you're listening to this, yeah, help us out, pro bono. I have many other libelous opinions about Jim Waterson, which I'm more happy to state than have tweeted about on numerous occasions, but not. That <laughs> I've been tested in the dark up in Penetration Park and I've been plastered I've been shaking hard and searching in a dirty storefront church and I've been plowed But I ain't never been with your little hood rat friend I ain't never been with your little hood rat friend Mao, having obtained a degree in politics, she migrated to Australia in the mid-80s, and despite a love-hate relationship with Sydney, is still living there. After abandoning Marxism for anarchism in the early 80s, she eventually found her way back to Marxism. Hmm, citation needed, and is gradually yeah. reading through the literature again. And, and to be fair... Marx, the greatest hits. She does say, talking to Norman Garris here, that she is reading some Lenin at the moment, or it was in 2004. Here we go. She is studying architectural drafting and believes the applied arts should benefit all people, not just the wealthy. Her hobbies include watching rugby and cricket, winding up the credulous, and sarcasm. That's... Yeah, yeah, when you're a Marxist, but you really love both rugby and cricket. <laughs> uh, I don't know. In... Like, I know some good people that like cricket, but it's a fairly Tory sport, and rugby is the most Tory sport. Uh, who are your cultural heroes? Charles Rennie McIntosh, Eileen Gray, Miles van der Rohe, Didi Shostakovich, and Joey Ramone. <laughs> I love Joey Ramone. Wasn't Joey the right-wing Ramone? Oh, good question. He was uh... the guitarist, right? No, he was the lead. No, sorry, he was the lead vocalist. Johnny Ramone was the guitarist and was a die-hard Republican till the day he died. John, yeah, find, yeah, yeah, Johnny Ramone, yeah, yeah. Yeah, her favourite films are Gentleman's Agreement, which I think is a very interesting... Uh, all right, so they're Gentleman's Agreement, Bound by the Wachowskis and Lord of the Rings. Uh, so Lord of the Rings is like the normie pick, comparable to Joey Ramone in the previous answer bound is like a kind of offbeat cool queer representing movie and then gentleman's agreement i think is the most interesting choice because it's a film from 1947 starring gregory peck and it's a film about 
anti-semitism in polite society so so citing that film in itself i think is a political statement also it seems to be a political statement against the left now elia kazan does have many defenders because he in his defense did do a lot of very good films i particularly like a face in the crowd for example and his version of a streetcar named desire is seminal and i've been meaning to watch gentleman's agreement actually i haven't got around to watching it yet but you know it sounds quite good But Elia Kazan was famously called up before the House Un-American Activities Committee due to his links to the Communist Party, which were quite tangential. But he basically named a hell of a lot of names. He completely disavowed communism and all kinds of left-wing thought and never, ever apologised or accepted that he did anything wrong. Defended himself with a Luke Akehurst-level McCarthyism till his dying day of course there was that famous moment in the oscars in 97 i think where elia kazan received an honorary oscar like a lifetime achievement award and various people including the actors ed harris and nick nolte refused to stand um, when he was being applauded which apparently damaged nick nolte's relationship with arch liberal martin scorsese for good apparently scorsese does not return nolte's calls anymore scorsese incidentally has been wanting to make a biopic of bill clinton for many years if you're wondering where he comes from politically these days (laughs) (laughs) so that was a very long tangent i just thought that gentleman's agreement being cited as the number one choice for favorite film is a bit of an interesting and telling choice yeah, for a proper returning to Marx. Yeah, interesting. But there is more genuinely left-wing stuff in this interview with Hack Mao than there is in, I would say, any other Eustonite piece of writing I have ever read. So, you know, credit to Hack Mao there. Mao by name, Mao by nature. <laughs> yeah, the worst Maoist, yeah. No, Hack Mao, yeah. just to clear it up, is a Houston signatory and everything. Given but... that we've talked about fucking the axis, the overlap between horrendous hawkish political opinions and performative broad pop cultural references, I think it might be time to drop the worst signature into Twitter history on our poor, long-suffering readers. Oh, I, I know Please. what you're talking about. Bring it on. Bring it on. The man, the myth, the legend... Bob from Broccoli. <laughs> his bookshelf header picture and his, his Johnny Cash convict picture of the Avatar. His header picture that he's got on Twitter is pretty bad. It's got his bookshelf. What's on the bookshelf? I've never taken a the close bookshelf, look. Bookshelf. The right? Avengers, a Jewish yeah. war story. Okay, so there's a so book, not comics. <laughs> no. So there's a, uh, a book about William Blake. I don't know. You can just see peeking in on the left something ending in ism by Oliver Cam. He's got What's Left by Nick What's Cohen. What's Left by yeah. Nick Cohen, which, I is, thought that... which is the set text of these cunts, yeah. I was like, oh, he's got Das Capital. And then I was like, there hang are... on, that's a really, really slim volume of Das Capital. And then I saw Francis Ween's two, name on the two, spine. Two separate Francis Ween books. One on Marx's Das Capital, which I'm informed is actually all right. All right. 
Uh, no, they won't read it. Three Francis Bean books. One of them hasn't got the title on, and mm. one of them is called Mumbo Jumbo. Like why Mumbo Jumbo conquered the world or something like that, which is <laughs> extremely where the sensibles and everyone else is the world gone mad nonsense. I can't remember uh, where it was. I think we were talking about something else earlier, but I saw one of these Harry's Place guys refer to themselves and their own faction as quote unquote decent. Yes, yeah. A decent <laughs> left, capitalised decent. I think did they have like a decent fest or something that they attempted oh at my one point? God. I would um, not be surprised. The friend of the show, Dan Davis, wrote about that a bit at some point, but it's obviously decent fest is quite hard to Google, so but I'm sure I've read something about that. So Bob from Broccoli, who, by the way, briefly followed me after I did a blog post criticising the SWP, and yeah. then unfollowed me because my views are left-wing, he apparently does this roundup on his blog where just this week it's Labour anti-Semitism, the alt-left, anti-Antifa, Ukrainian foreign fighters, Seymour Hersh's senility, Lexit idiocy, and Mint Press... And Breitbart's war on Bobism. I mean, where do you start with that? Fuck. I mean, I will say about him, he's a tosser, and his international politics in particular are fucking awful. But he is yeah. one of the only of the many people on his sort of centre right tendency who are like, well, as a former Marxist, I who actually yeah. shows any sign of having been a former Marxist. Well, he's got some Luxembourg some sort of... on his bookshelf there, and stuff. yeah, but when he does talk about it. When he's not just steaming mad, he does demonstrate some knowledge and he will acknowledge that left anti-racism protests are legitimate and the people in them generally care a lot about opposing racism and stuff. But then he'll just tweet some absolute shit. Like we've discussed his bookshelf. It's one of the worst header pictures I've ever seen. But his actual Twitter bio is worse. Yeah, let's get to the bio. Eating bacon bagels on the 171 bus, listening to Johnny Cash while reading Hannah Arendt, the kid next to me playing dubstep on his telephone. Playing dubstep on his telephone. He's had this for Shut years. Up, for years. Shut up, will you, stupid cunt? And it his fucking telephone. haunts me every time I see it. I feel the need, the compulsive need to share it with someone or tweet it out or something just because if I I've got to fucking suffer knowing and being reminded that this exists. So oh, I, I bet. I mean, A, didn't happen, but B, if it did happen... I bet it wasn't even dubstep. I bet dubstep was just the in vogue kind of electronic music at the time. And being an old cunt yeah. who probably listens to, well, Johnny Cash. Uh, you know, I listen to Johnny Cash. I'm not dissing here, but like, yeah. he, he probably was just like, oh, what's that? <laughs> a horrible grating a tonal been, noise. <laughs> if Johnny Cash hadn't been rehabilitated into like the acceptable canon, if he was still seen as sort of oh, country, that's a bit sad. This guy wouldn't be listening to him, like, or he wouldn't oh, be telling yeah, the world he was true. listening to him. I bet he yeah. just heard like some like heard, coming out of a phone and was like, he heard oh, that someone must about be three seats away with a little step. bit of tiny, tiny noise made from some cheap headphones, and just because he didn't instantly <laughs> recognise it from his own fucking vinyl collection, he's like, yeah. oh, this must be this dubstep they have now. I've recognised it. I'm cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very cool guy. Yeah. Uh, I'm almost mashing it up with, with the Johnny Cash that I'm listening to. Imagine that. Yeah. yeah. Across continents it's, and genres. Yeah. It's not it's not even dubstep, it's just an eighties rap track with like eight oh eights on it. Yeah. <laughs> just like yeah. the polar opposite. Probably like well my name is and I'm here to say sort of stuff. But he's, I, I he's look probably just about come to terms with that. Brian Wilson and the Fat Boys. 
<laughs> my name is Brian and I'm here to say I wrote lots of Beach Boys songs or whatever <laughs> fuck it <laughs> I'm pretty sure he literally does say my name is Brian and I'm here to say in, in Brian Wilson's uh, ill-fated hip-hop track uh, oh, but <laughs> yeah god but uh, oh, he's a sweet man really he's been through a lot oh, also do you know Brian Wilson is no fap I found an interview of him from the 90s that has had loads of juicy gossip where he's slagging off the other Beach Boys. But then he just starts explaining how he's like stopped wanking or having sex and it keeps him on the level. Again, we've discussed sort of evil counterparts already in, in this <laughs> show, but that means that somewhere in the world, Mike Love has given an interview about wanking. <laughs> Mike Love is just always masturbating. Yeah, yeah he's, got, he's got a fake arm. So that his real left arm can just permanently be like pumping away in his big trousers. <laughs> that hat that he always wears, despite everyone knowing yeah. that he's bald. Yeah. He he, ta- he just wipes it in there. It's just full of like decades. And he just strolls around with like up. all his session music and mates. Like, yeah, hi, I'm Mike Love. Hope you're enjoying the show. But he's really enjoying the show. Yeah. Well, of course, there is the famous story that somebody told me, in fact, when I posted the Brian Wilson wanking anecdote, that Marvin Gaye used to, when he was recording What's Going On, because he wanted the album to have such a kind of weightless, ethereal sound, he'd just wank constantly before recording his vocals. So, I mean, it's not like Marvin Gaye would have needed... It's not sure a big surprise, like... there's, 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 there's the famously horny energy to his music. Surely loads well. of women would have had sex with him, but I guess he was just like, no, I've got no, to do he, this myself, yeah, I've he... got to take the lead here. <laughs> He needs control over the process, you know. Exactly, exactly. Every aspect of the artistic process. So, from this discussion about the effects of wanking on the artistic process, let's uh, talk a little bit about Stephen Pollard's power base page. <laughs> it's a great segue, isn't it? Smooth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
It's exciting, it's young people, it's crowdsourcing. 